Hello and welcome back to our GMing Masterclass series, Return to Rokugan with GM Jim McClure. Jim, welcome back. Thank you. It, it, it's been four weeks now I haven't been out of the basement at this point. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm actually going to have to replace the chains. I can see that you've been gnawing on them. <laughs> I have. I almost, almost got, got through. Yeah, that one link's getting really weak. <sighs> you only need one, too. <laughs> That's right. just the one. Just the one. <laughs> How are we doing, Michael? We're doing great. Uh, just back from Gen Con. I had a wonderful Gen Con experience. I, I believe as you did. did I, as yes. did as well. And uh, we are obviously well into our Akatacon preparations. Which, by the time this comes out, could be a Catacon 2020, 2021, who knows? It's, not, it's a joke that works every year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be episode four of the GM Masterclass series with Jim McClure. This is the second half of episode two of the original L5R game we played with One Shot, which featured myself, Caleb, and James with Jim running. So we are... Going to basically re-listen to the second half of episode two. We're going to do some color commentary. At least I am. I'm, I don't add anything of substance. Uh, Jim will occasionally... Just like the real podcast. <laughs> uh, Jim is going to add in some uh, technical bits. So we will actually stop the audio at some points and expound on topics or things that uh, Jim just feels needs calling out. Maybe to explain what happened, why it happened, and even perhaps how it happened. If you recall from last episode, we had just finished off the battle with the Oni. We had managed to get it pulled out of the river without touching it, though we totally could have because it wasn't dead yet. And we are now going to sort of continue our investigations in trying to figure out who was this Oni before they were an Oni. And we know it was a, it's a crab samurai, at least we think we do because of the Mon. But the question we haven't answered yet is, was this a crab who volunteered? Was this a crab who was voluntold? Or was this a crab who had been attacked by someone else, perhaps a spider clan samurai? Don't know what you're talking about. And forced to become an oni against their will, obviously. So that is where we're going to pick things up. Uh, again, basically, we just got the oni out of the river. So let me get to the audio. Actually, is there anything you want to say, Jim, to set the next part up first? I think that's uh, that, that's pretty accurate for where we stand. We're now going into, we're, we're solidly in Act 2 of our story at this point, uh, and we're in the first half of Act 2, which is our investigative stage of you all are gathering information, you are winning battles, and we will see how much you all can discern and decipher and, and as we continue to build our dual stacking plot. It wasn't even dead yet. We could have totally touched it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I guess there's no Purell in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day. Uh, you should invent that. Get on that. You make a lot of cocoa. Um, the, uh, you, 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 you roll up on shore, and of course, now you can see closer. It was clearly at one point before it was as bloated as it was now, wearing crab samurai armor. You see all the telltale marks on it. Again, you see the mon, which is way up at the shoulder where it used to hang down by the chest. Um, th th this thing was wearing crab samurai armor at some point. So I'm a little bit, uh, unfamiliar with the nature of this ceremony is it the grisly practice of binding dark spirits to a man or is it simply calling forth a dark creature that would have already existed and this is deep into the lore so you'd have to roll to make this to see if you know it shadowlands or theology uh shadowlands 17. Uh, you do, actually. You're, you're aware on, on a very basic level that what, what can sometimes happen is... Okay, just so quick, quickly jump in there. This goes back to something we touched on before. That seems to be something that you would have wanted us to know. 
Um, so why did we roll if there's a chance we wouldn't have got it? You, you, you hit that point hard, don't you? I actually, I didn't think this information is super, super vital. It, it is a piece that you can get a little bit more of. You know, at, at this stage, I want you all asking questions. Um, that is that is where you are. I still don't want to be giving that many answers. Um, that, so, that was actually my thought, is that yeah. not knowing would actually help keep it more of a mystery. Exactly. You didn't want to keep it from us. But if we had failed, that's just like tee behind the screen. Exactly. And and that's, I mean, ultimately, obviously, we, we have to, as a GM, um, one of the things that you do have to do is even like, all right, this is actually a good situation to talk about with this. Um, even though, again, I want you asking questions, and I don't want to give you that much information, because if, if you know that, um, you know, okay, how these Oni are made are they, they get some helpless person and they sacrifice them and bind their soul, well, that's going to push you back in the direction of, okay, someone, okay, the enemies of the crab clearly stole a crab samurai and made this happen. So I really don't want to give that much information, but at the same time, there there's another another component to this. And it's it's sort of a general GM advice thing, and that is anytime you do something as a GM, you're reinforcing that that's how the world works. And the mechanics are sort of that fair arbiter that gives the players a minuscule amount of power compared to me as the god GM that I am. Uh, obviously being facetious here, but the mechanics need to seem fair. And reinforcing the concept that the mechanics are fair is a very important thing I feel that needs to be done at the table. So it became a like, eh, they don't really need to know that much, but I asked for a skill that I was pretty sure most people didn't have, but I forgot we, we, we had our, 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 our Shugenja uh, who, who had some lore uh, knowledge in it. So I let him roll. He succeeds at his role. He gains knowledge doesn't ruin anything but what it really did was reinforce the okay we as players now know we have a mechanical way that we can win we can gather information we can do a thing and that's been reinforced in us because we got information that was sort of like eh, we're not sure you know what it is so it, it's a little point but it's an important point because ultimately if he would have rolled the 17 which sounds like a decent number and i would have gone something super vague or just like nah eh, you don't know anything i'm i'm breaking that sense of fairness so that's really why that information came out when it did was the mechanics are ultimately an arbiter. And if we, we cut down the power of the mechanics, then we start having issues of fairness. And that's fairness that I will actually respect. <laughs> well, one of the things that I want to touch on just, just briefly, and this is more to the players who might be listening or maybe someone who's normally a GM who might be a player at some point in time. There's an element to the game that has changed for me over mm. the years where as a younger player, and by that I just mean young in how long I've been playing, not necessarily the age of the, of the player, where I wanted to win as quickly as possible. To me, that was success, is that there is a mystery, I solve it. There's a creature, I kill it. There's a treasure, I loot it. And as I've gotten a little bit older, I now come to enjoy the journey much more than the destination. And it reminds me of an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, because I'm an old person, where they go into the holodeck, because all good Star Trek right. stories start with the holodeck, where Data wants to be Sherlock Holmes. So they devise a mystery for Sherlock Holmes, and Data solves it, like, instantly. He's like, the person who came to my office, he's the guy, he rips open his pocket, here's the, the letter, and basically solves the mystery in, like, four seconds. And Jordy's like, that's, that's not fun. Like, the fun is the, the journey, which is what leads to Moriarty becoming a sentient person. But that's another story. <laughs> but I think part of this here is, as a player, I, I didn't want to solve it 
there. Mm-hmm. I was okay with a little bit of ambiguity because to me, I want to enjoy the entire process. I don't want to just pick someone who's guilty, shoot them with an arrow, and then then find out if we were right or wrong. So if you're out there, if you're a player, consider, because I'm not going to say that you're wrong and I'm right, but I've come to enjoy the game a lot more if I just kind of go with things a little yep. bit. You know, And part of that's the fact that I'm a DM and sometimes players don't do that. Just kind of go with things, like see where the journey takes you. Uh, you're still going to probably win in the end because that's the way the game is designed for that to happen. But don't be so quick to want to succeed. Just want to experience. And and to tie into that point, because I, I agree with that, uh, I, I started having a same similar journey. Started having a lot more fun with it. And now I'm, I'm the kind of player that uh, I kind of joke with it, but it's true. I go, I, I'm the player that I'm always going to buy into everything. You know, if, if there's, if, if, if we go down the basement and there's some horrible monstrosity, depending on the character I'm playing, but most of the time I'm going to buy into that and be terrified and try and run away from it and all of the, you know, do, do stupid things. You know, well, that, before that, you're going to go in the basement. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you go right, in the basement? Exactly. And I found that the more that I play into what's being presented, the more fun I have at the table. Design a character who wants to be an adventurer and who will buy into everything. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know why my character's here, you either made a bad character or you need to just do some work and make it make sense. Find a way to be like, okay, let's go. And you can do it grudgingly or begrudgingly, but do it. Yes. All right. I got off my soapbox now. (laughs) Either a sacrifice can give up their name to become an Oni forcefully, or some people give up their own name to attain the powers of an Oni. But that is the process that's done, and essentially the mortal becomes an Oni. But it can be done either way. Is there anything about the armor that would be specific enough for us to identify maybe someone we've already met? Sure. The reluctant sure to try that. Somebody else did it. I'll, I'll mention it and point that out to someone. <laughs> Let me take a look. No one got the precise memory advantage, did they? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That yeah, would be very nice. Um, 14. 14. Not that you can recall either way. Mm. Void, void, point. This could be important. <laughs> I don't think it's that important. Um, would there be any... I, I know that the armor has the, the family markings and the mm-hmm. crab markings on it. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking kind of out of game at this point, are there any deeper family identifying or names basically are there kind of dog tags there are not um not 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 within rokugan and and the the armor is i mean generic enough because armor is mass produced within the crab clan um that that it's hard to tell any you know distinguishing features other than of course there is the mon of your particular family the hita on it what about a wakazashi those are personal items those would be very personal but he has no weapons on him Someone picked up a Wakazashi in this campaign, but he doesn't have any weapons on him. Could I... I don't even know why I made that point, because that was not accurate. That's just horribly misleading. You mentioned that a Wakazashi could sometimes be, if if someone was fallen... That would generally be returned. So I was under the assumption this was my Wakazashi. Is this perhaps my brother? See, this is where I thought my brother was dead. Question about this right now. I'm having a question about where this Wakazashi came from. You yourself are unaware of this fact. Okay. Um, But it sounds like a question in your character's mind. You see me sort of thumbing my Wakazashi. I know this happens later too, but it, it's a small point that I want to I want to point out, and that is, you as a GM do not always have to answer questions. As weird as that sounds, um, you know, we, we, we had the, this question where suddenly Michael is having this thought about, you know, wait, 
is this? And I didn't know about the, the whole brother thing because right. in my mind, I'd already forgotten it and that was gone. Right, yeah. Uh, so you're asking me questions, right? And what I did as a GM is I did not provide you answers. Instead, I directed you back to your character, which is to go, you are in the right state of mind. It's one of my favorite phrases I like saying, especially in investigative games, is you and your character both are thinking the same thing. Because then what I'm doing is I'm going like, yes, good. You are thinking about that thing. You should be thinking about that thing right now. You haven't missed anything. This is a legitimate question you should have in your mind. I'm not providing you any more information, but I'm redirecting the player back to their character. So this is not related to this game specifically, but I want to get your take on it here. Sure. I am of the mind that it is okay to manipulate players by how and when you give information. Oh, yeah. So there's a game specifically that I, as the GM, it was a game that we ran that I, I was the DM. I went back and least listened to it recently, and uh, I was like, wow, I did a good job. But, <laughs> but there was a moment where two of the players were fighting in a battle that they were not winning. And they were in a graveyard, and they were being attacked by ghouls. And like maybe in three rounds into the combat, I mentioned that they could hear what sounded like more things coming toward them, but you, but they couldn't see them. It was dark. It's a graveyard, whatever. So for like two rounds, I kept saying, they're, they're getting closer, they're getting closer. Now, I knew the entire time that these were human soldiers and that they were basically the cavalry coming in. But when I listened back to it, the players thought for sure these were more ghouls. Mm-hmm. And As you're describing, like, it's what I thought it was. And, yeah. and they're like, oh my God, we're going to die. And I probably could have given them an extra roll or, you know, said, you know, roll, roll a listen check or something and say, like, no, you can hear human voices or no, you hear the familiar clatter of, you know, soldiers armor. But I realized that they were mistaken and I wanted them. I was like, oh, this is great yep. because they're now terrified. They're losing the battle against two. There's an unknown force of how many more coming. And it really it kind of made them role play like, in the character. They were truly scared for themselves and the character. And it made me think that I could have lessened the impact of that greatly by just letting them have information that legitimately they could have had. I just never let it be an option. And I just wonder, like, what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that entirely. I think it's a very, very powerful tool. Uh, of course, you always have to use it, know what you're doing when you're using it, um, or else you can step into some bad territory with it. But ultimately, exactly what you described there, the the control of information is, to me, one of the most powerful tools the GM has. Uh, and you absolutely can use that to increase the experience because there, there needs to be a little mystery. There needs to be a little discovery there. If everything is always right there for the players to have, then you don't engage. It's the, it's the discovery type of fun. Uh, you, you don't get that, oh, it, it's the thing, or oh, what is going to happen here? We're fighting in this graveyard. It's not going well. Ghouls are coming, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, exactly as you described, that made it way more powerful to not have information. And if, if you look at standard storytelling, I'm going to say novels, movies, etc., they do this all the time. Good novels, one of the classic things is you want to end every chapter with the, the reader asking a question. What, why, how, like what's going to happen? Uh, why did that happen? Who are these people? 
those questions and that engagement comes specifically from a restriction of information. Uh, and using that properly is magnificent. Now, again, as we've, we've talked previously in this series, that is a tool, in my opinion, you need to be using specifically for the enjoyment of the players, never using as a mechanical gotcha. Right. And I was going to touch on that as well. Yeah. You say, you don't see anything. Oh, you did not see the invisible Tyrannosaurus Rex. Right. Because that happened to me in a game. Really? There was an invisible Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, my God, Rex, that's amazing. I'm going to do that to you. And we're walking through the forest, and then it chomps and eats one of us. And we're like, we didn't hear it? <laughs> there wasn't a silence spell on it, but the, but the DM wanted us to fight an invisible T-Rex, and they wanted that moment of, oh, my God, there's an invisible T-Rex. And so they completely cheated in a way that I felt was unfair. Right. They did not give us a chance to do a listen, Jack. It was, you know, neither here nor there. But again, I'm, I'm against the gotcha version because I think I, I felt cheated after that, not enhanced. I didn't feel like, because again, execution matters. Yeah, exactly. And, and to, to hit on the point, I think what the difference is, is in, in the invisible T-Rex situation that you brought up, the restricted information gave you nothing or very little to engage with, whereas the graveyard situation, the restricted information gave them a lot more to engage with. And I think that's, a, to me, a big part of the dividing line is, is restricting the information giving the players more options and more thoughts and more questions in their mind, or is it obscuring thoughts and questions from their mind? And to me, that's the litmus test. So with that, we have it pulled out. The river is still flowing on its diverted course. You all are out in the woods. Could I use my wakasashi to cut off the mons without touching the body? Certainly. You, you, could, you could easily flip it off and cut off the piece of armor. Right. And see, now we're getting into a little bit of the this scene has gone on too long. Let's, let's, let's go forward. Things. Bring that back with me. I know that um, the ways of my people are strange, and rightfully so. They're not shared by many in the Empire. However, that would be the destruction of the evidence that was so hard fought for us to win. And evidence, in this case, sadly, may be our only compelling reason to afford a solution uh, that would be amenable. Fortunately, your wisdom is correct. I shall... No one's more upset about that than me. <laughs> I, I shall... I hate being right. <laughs> it's my curse. I shall return when this matter is resolved, and we will release this soul. But for now, you are correct. The evidence should remain intact for the time being. So we're all going to do the traditional samurai high five, which is we look at each other and go... Hmm. Mm -hmm. Little nod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a very respectful nod where we maintain distance. Exactly. Jim McClure's are favorite kind of high five. Creatures, <laughs> creatures that can be negotiated with. Are there dark forces that are curried favor with? In the extent of my experience with them, uh, there are certain rituals to summon them, uh, bind yourself to them, or bind them to you. Uh, they are generally selfish beasts uh, that give themselves into the carnal desires. Uh, I would not expect them to be able to negotiate or willing to negotiate. Is it possible that this crab had this done to him? That is within the realm of possibility. Uh, I, in my research, have come across situations where unfortunate souls did this to themselves as well the river 
moving is clearly the result of Oni's action. It is now a question of whether or not that action was intentionally driven by human hands or whether we are just seeing an opportunity seized upon. I am not sure of what the law would think of a dam unnaturally forming. It is clearly intervention and, at this point, most assuredly not the will of the kami. I agree. Do we possess the skills to undam this ourselves, or would we need to get one? I would caution from undamming so hastily. I just love the... There's just a little tiny moment there where James made the comment about, I'm not sure what the law would think about it, and then two seconds later it dawns on him, I could not be happier, that, oh, that's right, we are the law in this situation. (laughs) Like, the unsure is, we're the group that has to be the arbiter of this law, and that's exactly the mental state that that I wanted the party in at this point. I love that little, little tidbit. We do know that they are constructing a temple, and while... It may be foolhardy for them to construct a temple in a riverbed. It is not our place to disgrace it quite yet. Quite yet. yet. We need to investigate the source of this dam. I Uh, agree. Whether it was purely the Oni's malignant intent or it was the intent of whoever is controlling the Oni. Can you use your magics to find that? Is there a, a supernatural link between this dead Oni and its former master? I certainly could commune with the spirits for advice. However, I believe our eyes and ears are well within the realm of discovering such answers. Indeed, we do have several pieces of evidence. It is a question of where our investigation should lead us next. Where the path was clear to follow the river, the waters do now seem muddied. I am interested in going back to where this creature was previous from where the rocks came. There might be more evidence there. Maybe it's home. Certainly a good option. The question of that, of course, would be the danger. But that is why we are here. Well, we have proven ourselves thus far. I think we trust the fates and move forward. It would be nice to not be surprised next time. We should be watchful and careful as we progress into the forest. So, with that, you all are progressing to the direction that the Oni came from. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you say careful. Are we by chance trying to be stealthy? Ah, no, because that's dishonorable. Yes, he read the books. <laughs> and the DM tried to tempt them into evil. Because stealth is a low skill. You should never be hiding yourself. You should be out in the open. However, being watchful is not a low skill. <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> And just real quick, the way it came across, it sounded like I was perhaps going to to try and trick uh, D'Amato and the group when, in actuality, what I was going to do is present a choice, which is a core, core choice within L5R, which was, I asked him, you know, he said he wanted to be watchful, I asked if he wanted to use stealth, and we had a conversation before that in the game, stealth is a low skill. When you use a low skill, you lose honor for doing it. So if he were to say yes, it wasn't going to be a gotcha, lose honor, it was going to be then presenting the choice of, okay, you can absolutely do that, but here's how honor works in the game. So now you have the mechanical choice between do I want to be stealthy and can actually get the benefits of stealth and lose honor, or do you want to not be stealthy, you're opening yourself up to attack, but you're preserving your honor, which is one of the core choices, I feel, in the thematics of L5R. So that's what, what that was, but Dabato remembered enough that he, uh, he he remembered essentially what the choice I was presenting was. 
strongly. Ne- neither should we throw our lives away needlessly, which is in the dueling rules. So <laughs> we should use caution. Yes, indeed, we should use caution. I believe taking these creatures on on their own terms for a force of our size would be foolishly throwing our lives away. Obviously, as samurai, we are honor-bound to challenge them openly. However, that openness, I believe, is a little negotiable. There is certain wisdom to acting when the situation is in our favor. Haruma-san, I believe your bow will be very valuable to us. Perhaps facing forward with myself and using your bow in moments of surprise would be useful. I, p- I picture we cut to the chibi versions of ourselves for the little nod. Huh. Um, <laughs> with that, you all move forward. He forces it forward. The direction, and it is a, a, a very short distance that you all watchfully travel. Uh, before you come across, there is uh, a clearing up ahead that you can see. One thing I want to touch on there, because this is something I've done in my own games, where you knew, for whatever reason... Mm-hmm that nothing was going to happen from the part where we walked to the part that we got to. Yep. There's no random encounters. There's no other Oni. There's no other dangers. Ish. Again, when we got there, things could have happened. Right. But, but the travel... Nothing in between. Right, the travel, yes. you were just going, to, just going to get us there. Yep. So there is that urge to end with that and, and just get us from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I think, some value in rewarding players for making what would be smart choices. Mm-hmm. And again, we're on a timetable. We have X number of hours we have to get through. But in like a home game where I had unlimited time, there have been times where I didn't think anything was going to happen. But if the players go through a lot of elaborate planning and contingencies, like, well, if this, if this, if this, sometimes I'll let them come across something that wasn't going to be there because I didn't want that to be wasted time. So, So I go backwards and go, well, there wasn't going to be an assassin in the trees, but there is now. And and that is exactly what would have occurred in this particular scene uh, if if you all would have chose to use stealth, okay? Because at that point, how unfair would have been if I were to suggested stealth, you chose to do it, took an honor hit, and then there was absolutely nothing on the path. Like, it would feel bad, like, okay, so we took the honor hit for you to narrate for 10 seconds and we're here and, and nothing happened. And with that, you're there. And with that, <laughs> your honor is down. Um, you know, that that would be, that would not be a fun experience. You could, you can argue the fact of that would be a fair experience because that's not what was planned. But the reality is we are not, in my opinion, you want to cut down to the core of it, I'm not trying to give a fair experience. I'm trying to give a fun experience. That is what I'm actually trying to do. So if you all were to lose honor at that point, you all have paid a price. You've paid a mechanical price to do a thing. There needs to be a reward for paying that price. And in this case, there actually would have been a a, a demon spirit that was there, a, a Kansan, uh, who was still sort of hanging out in the area, and you all would have got to observe him before as long for as long as you wanted before it blinked off into non-existence and then you could carry it on from there. There was actually an entire subplot of there is a um uh, a blood speaker in the uh the spider camp uh as well uh who was then going to be connected to the crab and that's how he got tainted. Spoiler alerts for later. Um <laughs> but you all never investigated so that's something that never never came about and this was going to be a link to it uh sort of through through the other way because you all didn't really investigate the spider camp. Uh but you didn't use so there was no need so we move forward to our investigation but i do agree entirely if 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 
if the players are interested in it, it needs to result in something interesting. If they if they spend 10, 15 minutes going, okay, there's a tent in the middle of the woods, we're going to figure out our whole plan, we're going to do our whole thing and get into it, and then it's just like, oh, no, it was just a drifter's tent. Like, it's so deflating to have one of those. So I agree with that entirely. Some various things on the ground, uh, but what first draws your attention is there is clearly a, a rock face uh, from a hill that has been busted open and numerous sections of it are missing, uh, clearly the, the the contents of the dam. With on the ground, though, it has been cleared and all of the, the, the grass has been what appears to be burned away from it. The middle, um, there is a small pile of ashes as well as lying on the ground, a clearly human body. From this distance, you cannot identify it. This is one of those situations where caution is key. (laughs) With my hand on my blade, I start approaching the body. This is this is what I call an in-game check-in moment. Okay, um, nothing relevant is going to happen before you all figure out what's in in you know what that body is. But what what I did is uh, kind of tying into we talked about restricted information. I told you there was a body. I gave you trappings of clearly a ritual happened based on context. It's pretty obvious. Okay, this is the ritual that created the oni. I mean, that's the very logical conclusion, which is the truth of the situation. But I didn't tell you what the body was, even though there's nothing going to be in the way. And the reason being is because what I'm doing is I'm checking in in a very subtle way of I'm going, here is a thing, end of my sentence, I want to see how you all are approaching it. I want to see if you all are going to run. I want to see if you all are going to surround. I want to see if you're going to approach cautiously, because then that gives me a very good understanding of how players interacting with character at my table. Uh, so it's just a little tiny thing that's actually not serving the players directly, but it's serving the GM to go, let me just assess how in their current state of mind they're going to handle a situation, uh, which what's being reinforced is this. We are very cautious. We are concerned about you know the, the powers that they were dealing with. We're concerned about disturbing things we are still onward in our investigation which means we still have a driving motivation we're not just like oh this is weird let's get out of here because i've had game where players are in that state (laughs) of mind and i get to do just a little quick check-in just by letting to to see how you all want to engage with the situation can i do a any sort of check to determine if this is a ritual or any kind of spell crafting yes Uh, you've got the spell craft ability yes uh, spell, yeah, just raw yep. spellcraft. Spellcraft. The worst to find ability in L5R. It's terrible. <laughs> Ugh. The ways of the spell. 23. 20, uh, isn't that a zero over there? Yeah. That should explode. It did. I re-rolled it. I just re-rolled it. Oh, you re-rolled so it a second round. Yeah, oh, okay, so I wouldn't forget I had the 10. Oh. <laughs> I'm kind of dumb tonight. Um, tw- 23. Um, yeah, you with that roll, you can discern enough that you're, you're not entirely sure the nature of it, but this is clearly not an elemental spell. And to, to all of your knowledge and study, this would clearly be Maho, which is blood magic that this was brought on about. Uh, and it was uh, this is clearly the the tailings of a ritual, as it were. What's the honor readout on Maho? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it and find out. Let's just say negative honor is a thing that exists. Okay. Oh, and uh, the other question that I would have concerning this, obviously, uh, they follow a different code. Certainly, they do not follow Bushido. How can that mesh with like? It, are we to expect that they will do dishonorable things but be reasonable people? 
Like, what's the climate on that? L- literally, your question is the culture clash between the uh, Spider Clan and the rest of the Empire as it stands today. Okay. Because they were actually originally made as an intentional mockery of the proper Rokugan. Mm-hmm. So their tenants are power control, um, all of these things, which I don't know what they are. And they have been all... I don't study Shirito. It's Jedi Sith. It's not that hard. Yeah. Behavior within Rokugan is still seen as dishonorable. The one thing I know about the dragons, and my dragon in particular, is that it's not so much that uh, that we get upset when people don't follow the Bushido as we see it. We get upset when people don't try at all. So there might be a little bit of room in my mind to allow for this, but like the character is like intentionally... Be neutral on this. You're supposed <laughs> well, to be a neutral I, I will party. say, while, while most things involving their 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 manner and their way of carrying on, you know, some things like them eating red meat and uncooked meat is sort of looked over upon as, mm-hmm. ooh, we would never do that. Certain things like blood magic are specifically forbidden from the Empress. And, and any, even um, okay. e- e- anyone caught committing that is allowed to be killed and removed. And that is part of what your charge is as a dragon and what you all generally do as the crab. And why you all still don't trust them. Because they at public, publicly go, oh, we don't do that. Oh, we purge any of our people that do that. But yet we keep hearing stories that they do it. Okay. Great. So you. So do not go to a spider barbecue. <laughs> Tailings of a Maho ritual. Everything, though, seems done and. And we'd hit on it plenty of times, but it's the, you know, establishing lore as it becomes relevant. Basically, speak a word of caution. Um. I I detect a sense of of Maho in this area. We Maho. must be careful, Maho, as we that investigate. That is a serious claim. Then this is perhaps. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Could have come across. Ah, Maho it certainly is. Your <laughs> jade statue that was given to you by Daigotsu Jin starts glowing bright green. What does that mean? <laughs> and you don't have a clue. Well, green means go. (laughs) (laughs) What sorcery is this? I have never seen this happen before in my experience with Jade. Is Jade, uh, like, apart from the fact that it banishes uh, creatures of the Shadow Realm, uh, is it also a magical conduit? Is it used in other spells? Uh, Not not really as a component, but it does very much have magical properties. Uh, The crab especially tend to make weapons out of Jade because they have a habit of cutting through and dealing more damage to those that are corrupted. It's sort of just a, a substance that is magical in the fact that it directly opposes and supersedes the corruption from Jigoku, the realm of evil. So could this be a sting situation where it's glowing, which means there's bad stuff nearby? Could possibly, although normally Jade doesn't straight glow from direct contact from it. And this isn't just a soft glow. This is a bright, shining light from it. So I wanted to ask you a question. So th- there's a couple ways to, to frame this question, so I'll just try to make it make sense. Clearly, Daigatsu gave us that jade statue. Yes. Later, it becomes very important to our investigation that we had that jade statue. Yes. So one could argue that was really dumb of him to do. Why, why would he give us a thing that would cause us to investigate it, to learn its secrets, which we will learn here in a few minutes. So in your, st- in your mind... Was that always going to happen, or did it just sort of make make sense in the moment? You're like, oh, wait, they have a jade statue. I'll make it vibrate. Like, was that planned, or was that a, I need something to happen because we're taking too long. I'm going to speed things up. Like, like why did that happen? Uh, yes, it, it's an interesting, uh, what, what was going on 
behind the scenes, you know, because when when that statue when that statue came out, I'm still looking at Miramoto as the one that's going to be fighting for Daigotsu Jim, which means the crab need to be fighting for the crab. Seems pretty easy. So he's going to do nasty, evil things to the crab. The actual idea of what was going to happen with this statue, and I can't ever remember if in part two we, I ever explained what this statue was. There's a whole thing about it, actually, and I honest to goodness don't remember. So I'll say it now in case it doesn't come up later, but essentially what, what he's doing, and we'll see this happen with the spirits, is he is he's carving jade and wrapping it around obsidian which is the dark equivalent of jade in this world um so he he's forcing two opposite spiritual elements together that's sort of his thing and he's trying to create weapons that way so that's what he's doing with it so his intention of giving it to uh the shugenja of the party is essentially to slowly corrupt him and if the statue makes it this far which spoiler it doesn't Caleb's character Hida was going to have like these horrific terrible dreams that were going to occur uh, that night because of the statue and what this was going to lead to is a connection between Hida and Yasuki the leader of the crab clan who is going to recount very similar things to you all later and this was going to put them in a very similar situation and question whether Hida had been corrupted from it so that was the direction this was going to then be able to uh you know essentially daigotsu jin could go look at you two that are showing signs of corruption yet you're blaming me for it and it gives him ammunition there um now none of that ever transpires uh because of the events that are going to happen in the next 10 minutes uh this just hit a logical thing of i'm like they've got this situation uh once again i i as the gm am trying to give shine the spotlight around and hita has not had a lot of spotlight now we're in a magical situation i don't want him fading to the back while the other two players are making their logical conclusions it's i need to introduce magic because that is the one thing he can do that the others can't magic Magical thing starts glowing. Pay attention to me. Only one player is capable of resolving what happens for it. So that was sort of the the onus of why all of this occurred the way that it occurred. Um, and I don't think the statue was as much of a giveaway. We'll have to see. I don't remember. I don't remember the specifics of how else that works into the story from after the next ten minutes occur. Well, and one of the things that I would kind of comment there is we have talked about how this is a very structured game. Mm-hmm. And the way that you run games is m- maybe not the standard sure. that you've heard like on our show where you just kind of make things up and keep it light and fun. Everybody's doing whatever. But even with you having a structure, you had an idea for what I think is actually a really cool scene. Like I think it would be really cool for he to, to have experienced that. Mm-hmm. And then that would have been an interesting role play situation. Like one, they're both corrupted. What does that mean? Two, did... Daigatsu do that to them, which clearly he did, which then puts Yusuke's character back into a little bit of reframing because we're really down on him. Right. But if he was poisoned, right. that changes things. So that's that's a really cool scene. But despite you having this plan, you did not force that to happen. Correct. You made decisions as the game was going. What makes sense here? What what you know, what can we do without just railroading them directly into my story? And I think that's a that's a counterpoint to what we're talking about, how this is a story on rails, but there's still opportunities to go with the flow and not force it in the direction you were expecting. I, I want to hit that exact point because at the beginning of this and and various other GM advice shows and panels that I've done, I, I always talk about it but can never really do a full explanation because it takes so much time and you really need specific examples. Of You've heard me say it, uh, railroading, I believe, is bad. Linear plot is good. 
and what we're describing right now to me is the difference between the two. We are doing a linear plot. I know the direction it's going. And as we've been doing this, you hear me updating you all as far as where Jim's mind was during the thing. Railroading means this is going to happen. Linear plot means we're going this direction, and that direction is going to constantly be rewritten by the actions of the players. I'm still going a direction, but that may change. It may di- uh, it-, it may diverge like a river. It may do all of these things, and to force it to go to your end point, I think is bad. To have an end point and try and build to it, I think is good, and that's where to me where the difference comes down. So despite my desire to look at it, I'm actually going to look away because that caution, I'm going to start scanning, looking for some sort so of So you're trying threat. not yeah. to do the Raiders of the Lost Ark ending then. Yeah. If my etiquette, with an etiquette role, what's the uh, what, what's the etiquette on gifts? The other's oh, a long, long, long. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I'm trying to determine, like, obviously, if this guy wanted to give us this in order to trap us and take us out, which... Again, he gave it to us when we had announced, after we had announced our intention to honorably go through this and investigate no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, if this is a magical trigger, this could be the noose to a trap. I love when players connect dots that were never connected. Oh, yeah. Like the, oh, it was given to us after we said that. Never part of the intention. However,. We also can't throw out a gift, I don't think. <laughs> uh, you, you, you cannot throw out a gift. Um, it is pretty culturally normal for an exchange of gifts when you go to a new area. Mm-hmm. So him presenting you with gifts is not uncommon at all. Okay. Um, and it, I shouldn't have struck down as – yeah, I should have let him continue to ponder that. Well, but I, I didn't stop us. Of You have to refuse twice before you can accept oh, it, technically. I got that I couldn't part. remember if that was in the mandatory ring. So it was very dishonorable. Oh. I noted it. Don't worry. We'll, we'll... <laughs> I didn't, actually. But <laughs> If we kill him, does it still hurt us? <laughs> Michael, problem solver. Problem solver. Perception of self, not others' perception of you that yeah. determines your I honor. don't think a scroll from my daimyo counts as a gift. <laughs> although he did specifically say, I've given the two of them gifts, let me give although, one to you. Although he didn't present it as a gift. Conversations about gifts. <laughs> and bowing. bowing Welcome gifts. to El Favar. Daimyo, so I don't know about that. <laughs> your perception of self is pretty much clear here. <laughs> you have a case to hold up in court. Yeah. I, on the other hand... But no, you're standing in, in near this clearing. Um, again, we, we, we have a body. Uh, as it glowed, you got close enough to see. Uh, once again, this is a body of a crab samurai. Do you know him? You do not. No. Although he is face down in the dirt right now, so it's hard to tell. <sighs> but he's also a dead body. He's also a dead body. I will put the jade statue down on the ground and okay. back away a pace and see what happens. As soon as you set it down, it immediately stops glowing. Curious. Do we have to kill Hedoth? If I pick it up again? Starts glowing. Yep. Violently. Bright. Bright in the daylight. Reinforcing those concepts of where we're going to go with the dream. Can I make any sort of commune spell specifically with the statue? Certainly. Um, the what, what you have to do to talk to the spirits. It's two different spells that you have to cast. Okay. Uh, actually, in this case, you wouldn't if you're trying to go directly. You know there's Kami in everything. And there's right. Kami in the clothing that you're wearing. There's Kami in Jade. This is Jim hand-waving a dumb roll. <laughs> Commune. Uh, it, it, summon's actually different. It, it creates essentially a cubic oh. square feet. Which is a poorly named spell. 
Imperial that way if you say it went into combat. I told you I love L5R. <laughs> it's the greatest game ever known to man. <laughs> what you can do is you normally have to use sense to figure out exactly what combat you want to talk to, and then you use commune to talk with them. If you want to specifically talk to them on the jade, you don't need to do sense. You only need to do the commune spell. I would like to attempt that. Okay. You're going to make a commune spell. So, jade is falls under the element of earth because you can cast it in any element save for void because there are no void kami. Okay. It's the one thing that's outside of the celestial order. Depending on which edition of L5R you're playing. I forget which one. Some had vo- uh, void kami, which is weird. You can do raises here. What What's your role? And, and how raises work, because we haven't really discussed it, is it increases the TN, the target number, by five for every raise, but you can do raises for extra clarity from their answers, or you can do raises for additional questions you may ask. So you could say, take one raise, the TN is now 15, but get to ask it three questions. Side note, I'm a personal fan of gambling top mechanics yeah. where you risk versus reward. I think that's just a fun addition to just rolling dice. Yeah, yeah. The, actually, I'm, I'm sad. Just uh, all right. So this is the, the L5R mechanical portion. Uh, the Lion Clan Samurai, one of their highest abilities. Actually, I don't like it. It's one of these where it's mechanically powerful, but I feel it's not. It loses interest because what it lets you do is declare as many of these raises as we said. Which exactly as you described, Michael, it, it's a gamble mechanic. It's it's you increase the difficulty, but if you hit the difficulty, you increase success, and if you fail, it's still a total failure. Uh, what it lets you do is declare as many raises essentially as you want. And based on what you roll, you will achieve the maximum possible, even if it was lower than the total that you declared. So it's mechanically powerful, but it just neuters the gamble, which to me makes it less interesting. Yeah, there there is no gamble in that. There is no gamble, exactly. Exactly, none whatsoever. Again, that is their highest level ability, which again is powerful, but if you have a mechanic that makes the game less interesting, I think it's a bad mechanic. I don't want to play amateur game designer and fix that, <laughs> but I have some thoughts. How many now, if you, you fail the TN, you straight out fail the entire roll. Right. Uh, I'm rolling 6K4. 6K4, I think you could safely take one raise. I agree. Um, I think clarity might be more important than questions. Yeah, well, we'll know that as soon as... So is that what we're declaring the raise for? Also, a quick note, this was early in our podcasting career. Today, I would have slapped Caleb for playing with his dice as he's talking. <laughs> and he rightfully should have slapped me as well. Like That's one of my pet peeves. If you're doing a podcast, don't talk while you're messing with your dice. Those are separate I love, things. All of podcasters listening to podcasters <laughs> and themselves. That's the wide-reaching advice everyone's listening to this show for. How to, how to, how to clear out that background noise on your podcast. Yes. That's what I'm declaring the raise for. Okay. I was like, each commie has their own temperament. I had to look at my cheat sheet. Right. You didn't have a cheat sheet. <laughs> that one I actually did. That, okay, that, that, okay. That, because each of the four different commie have sort of a different way that they interact with each other. So that one actually I legitimately did because I never remember what any of them are other than fire. Because fire is the one. They're essentially assholes. They come out really angry. They <laughs> want you to sacrifice something to them. They're the most direct and give you the most direct information. Uh, but they're just like grumpy old men pretty much. Uh, and then certain ones. I think water's the one we'll learn here in a second. Because I think is that what he ended up using or earth or something like that. One's like only only shows pictures and images, and like each one sort of has their own own little thing gotcha. to them. So that cheat sheet I had, one of the few. One of the few. 
one. Probably could have raised it again. <laughs> yeah, thir- 35 total. 35. To hit a 15, I think you did it. Um, Oops. Yes. The, um, a- a- as you're standing here, you're, you're chanting, you're making your prayers to it. You, you, you see an Urukami, almost a, a straight doppelganger of the statue itself come out of it in a mystic form, which you've seen Kami appear in various forms all the time. Um, and that's not uncommon to you. And it sort of sits down and looks at you. And you've dealt with the Earth Kami a lot. They're pretty stern and straightforward uh, with their answers. Um, but what's odd to you is you keep looking at the piece of jade because there's still movement inside of it. And slowly you see another form come out of it, again, in the exact same shape, except it's completely black. It's so black as almost to seem to absorb the light from the rest of it. And it walks down and sits just to the left of the jade form, and they both sit and stare at you, which this is very uncommon to you. So your first question is, what the fuck? (laughs) And they both in unison say, where did our brothers go? And they point at the missing rocks behind you. I believe that's answering a question which... uh... That would be fine. That would be fine, right? (laughs) Out of game for a second, Mm -hmm. does etiquette and ritual apply to greeting or acknowledging the spirits? They're very fickle in a lot of regards, um, but you're pretty used to they do frequently just have conversations with you. Um, So while there is two questions, that's more of a limit on length of conversation than a necessarily strict two questions, unless you're a fire commie, in which case they are very literal. But, uh, no, generally, this sort of almost open conversation back and forth is quite common. Okay. Uh, so they would ask that question to me. Uh, that is actually what I and my companions are here to investigate, which is why I have requested your presence to ask some questions. And they sort of stare silently as Kami often do while they're waiting. Would you like to tell them where the rocks went? Probably should. Your brothers are that way. In the river. And we believe that they were forcibly moved there by certain individuals. And, and simultaneously, the, the jade one goes, move them back. And the dark one goes, keep them there. While this is going on, I, my hand drops to my wakazashi. And I'm sort of sort of like rubbing my palm over it a little bit. And I have a sinking feeling in my stomach. And I'm inching ever closer to the body. So again, I now think this body is my brother. Oh, yeah. I was literally, I was having the face. I got to go, I'm not sure what Michael's doing in this part, but I'm curious to see where he's going. Again, I latched onto the idea that my my brother was dead, and that had something to do with the story. Right. And now we have another crab who's face down, because you made a point of saying you don't know who it is because they're face down. So this whole time I thought, we're going to roll that body over and it's going to be my, my brother. This is amazing to me, because literally when I said his face down, I just kind of thought, I'd go, why the world did I say his face down? That's not relevant to anything. I have no idea why I did that. You know, I, I like to think that everything's planned out. Thought I'm like, I don't know. I just said he was face down because apparently I did. Then that's that's fascinating to me. Yeah, because again, the brother thing you told me about before, and I had completely forgotten about right. it. Yes, was a part of it. Yeah. And and this is the sort of thing again. If this was a campaign, an ongoing thing, and you knew what I was doing, right. Probably would have ended up being my brother. Right, exactly, exactly, yep. <laughs> that, since it, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we ended up getting a different direction. Yeah, that, which is fine, but yeah, that's what I thought was happening. I'm really trying to think here, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, this is a big moment, <laughs> and we're going to cut all this dead air. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Take your time. If I am to do anything with your brothers, I need information about who caused them to move. Sith? Sort of nod. Since they were moved from this location. 
Can anyone ask the questions? Or does it Normally it's pretty precise. Now, I'm not saying that you all can't confer with each other, but uh, they, they, they listen to the one who summoned them. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's me reinforcing, I want this player doing this, this action. Caleb's scene. It's his scene. And this is Michael interjecting himself in scenes where his character isn't needed. Okay, I need a little bit of input here. I'm just, I don't want to screw up the question. What are you trying to, what are you trying to ask, like, if you were to ask? Me. All right. Well, I basically. You're not making a wish. It doesn't have to be worded perfectly. What are, <laughs> I'm what pretty you... sure it does have to be worded perfectly. Well, we perfectly. got the raise for clarity. So, right. Yeah. I, I'm trying to see if they can tell me anything about who did it, but I, I don't want to ask. Can right. You tell well, me I mean, who literally, did it? we know that it was the Oni that threw the rocks. Right. So, right. If like, and they're not literal like fire spirits, right. but if I were GMing, I would definitely get you on that technicality. If you're a player, never say the phrase if I was GMing. Yeah, no. <laughs> we love you, James. Where did they so go? They, so they don't even know they don't, yeah, they where don't. they went, so but they may not know the answers we're looking for. So what 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 we do need to know about, because like it was pointed out to us that it's unusual, is what the nature of their arrangement that there is a good and evil kami. Or like maybe not good and evil, but two sides of two something. sides of something. Dual natured something. So we need to we need to know that. Um I, at this point, I don't see any reason not to be cordial and if they ask questions to answer them. Right. Is this one of those weird, like, one always tells the truth, the other one lies, so you got to ask this one if the other one would tell the truth situation? Uh, well, like, literally, yeah, we could, we could go closing the book. <laughs> <laughs> but so far, we've gotten two different commands. One wants the rocks to stay there and one wants them to leave. And perhaps knowing... What they are will give us what their motivations for either one of those commands well, it might be. It could be, be. As, as easy as did um, Daigatsu yep. know that you were inside that when, you gift, when it was gifted to you? Like, was he aware that there was two spirits? That would right. give, Does he I know? Almost more. Thinking the right questions. Because, like, that, that's, I think, a good follow-up question. But we should probably start out by knowing... If they know why this rock is natured in this particular way, because it's it's weird with the dual spirit. Yeah. But I also I'm trying to think how to ask that question but directly. It, it could be, but how did you come to both share the same yeah spirit, yeah. home, whatever? Okay, that that's a good way to phrase it. <clears throat> All right, cutting back in <laughs> and scene. scene. <laughs> Spirits in in my experience, this is a very unusual encounter for one such as myself how is it that there are two of you within the single statue they, they look at each other they look back he was put here the jade one says to the dark pointing at the dark one the jade one speaks and the dark one goes i was put here hmm. could be question two of course that's also very easy to answer by the guy who did it, not yeah. What what is the name of the person? Ah. But but even if we know who put them there, we still don't know what they do. What 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 what? What is, is your purpose? In theory, I could cast a spell again. What is it your just favorite? Just takes a spell slot. What is your favorite color? How <laughs> many spell slots do you have? Oh god! And what does Earth okay. do? What other? What are your other Earth spells? Is perhaps a better way to think about it. Earth spells. Yeah. Well, I also have three void slots to cast anything in. Right. Um, we'll just be smarter with the raises if we have to do it again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. What is the name of the individual who placed you here? I 
sort of look at each other confused. Um, and you do know this from regular, uh, Kami pay attention to what they pay attention to, and there are certain things that they don't really care about, names being one of them. Um, but while, while they sort of, 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 of think for a moment, they, they just both sort of point back to the river and say, the guy who did that. And with that, you see the two just sort of go back in and then back into the jade. Okay. It's for a moment when they go back in, the jade flashes bright green again and then dies down to a dim nothing. So magical investigations. Yeah. Communing with spirits, trying to get quick answers to long questions. <laughs> there, there, there's a couple interesting tools here. Um, and L5R actually does a really good job with this in, in describing that section because, um, and, and there's many games and systems that sort of run into this of, okay, if I can commune with the all powerful things, how in the world do I do an investigation? And the first thing to note is that specifically to L5R, um, and a good way to think about it is, you know, th- these are spirits that have inhabited the things around them. They live outside of time and outside of our reality. They don't care about the politics of our reality. They don't care about really the events that are going on. If something big and notable happens, if something happens to them, they remember that kind of stuff. And they might be like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that. You know, I, I, I sort of equate it to, okay, if you walked up to me and asked me on the street, who was the last president of Egypt? I would go, uh, the guy, there was like the Arab Spring happened and they overturned a couple people. So he might've been good or bad. And like legitimately, that's as much as I know about it. The spirits are the same way. Like, yeah, there were people that were here and they kind of, I think they did a thing like that happened to last week or last millennium. I'm pretty sure. Like, right. you know, go into what, what their knowledge and what they're doing. They, they are not tokens that sit there waiting to give players information that's relevant to them. I see the equivalent to this all the time in Speak with Animals in the mm-hmm. D&D. A field mouse or a rabbit or a squirrel does not think in human terms. And just because a player can communicate with it doesn't mean it's going to be able to give them the answer like, oh yeah, three days ago, 400 soldiers wearing the crest of the evil dragon came through. It might be like the tumbly people came through and messed up my day or what, you know, right. ran away food. Like they think animal thoughts, you're just able to commune with them. So it doesn't mean they're going to be able to give you the answer to any question you want in a way that makes sense to you. And especially specifics. Again, I'm, I'm again, go- going back to my own mind too. And that, that's a great example, but like, obviously, as we mentioned, we're, we're right after Gen Con. I'm thinking I did the one shot podcast meetup and I'm thinking about this guy who had a D20 tattoos on either one of his foot. And I had a 20 minute conversation with him about game design. And he backed some of my games. I don't know his name. He told me his name. He was wearing a name badge that was on it. I'm a human being that was interested in investing in it. I couldn't tell you his name if I was summoned forth and asked. You know, you need to think about it and treat it that way. And I think exactly what you said, Michael, is they're not human beings. They don't think like human beings. Uh, They think about whatever it is that they're self-interested and preoccupied with. And then together with the concept of, especially if you're doing something like spirits of, you know, I, I very much like they don't play with our same rules of time. They don't remember like, oh, when did when did they come by? Like. It was either last week or last millennium. It was something in that range because to them, it's like, okay, it was it was the past. I know it wasn't the future. It was the past. I'm exactly the same way. I, if something happened, it either happened last week or when I was 12. Right. Those are the only two time periods that exist in my life. Uh, exactly. So, uh, but then still being able to give some kind of relevant information. I mean, because what we got from this was not direct answers, but we got pieces. We got, okay, 
they alluded to that the dark one was was forced in with the jade one. Right. So this wasn't a naturally occurring thing. It was intentional. Exactly. And we learned that it was the same person that messed with the river. Perhaps that's something that you could have assumed, but that's as much information as, as they could re- really know and gather from that. Uh, so those concepts give give the players who are conducting the investigation information without just throwing them the whole thing of, oh, yeah, it was Daigotsu who was doing this and forced us in here, and he's the one who did the river. Go have fun. Go kill him. Because there's no fun in that. Uh, you know, give those pieces of information, but don't give the whole boat away. So, again, th- that whole half of this episode was that investigation. Yes. And uh, so I I don't feel like it probably has changed Jim's mind, but where is Jim's mind at now? J- Jim's mind is at the the end of this story is is still progressing to at this point our duel on the river. Uh but, but between Haruma and Miramoto. Uh we 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 haven't changed from that. That's where we're still going. I know in in GM Jim's mind right now, it's been a I, we, we've hit a low point. We are a little bit low energy. We had a we had a combat. Uh, we've gone through. We had investigation. The investigation is continually leading to questions. I know the next thing that I need to hit you with is an actionable scene. We need a little intensity. We need a little fire, and that's what's going to be coming next. And, and you know what you need for that. NPCs. <laughs> and you need NPCs, and we're about to find them. And so we're about to go where people are, just not just the three characters, because that's kind of the easiest way to do that. You have to introduce a new element or something to interact with other than the spirits. So it, it only makes sense for us to go somewhere where there are other people. Exactly. And and we're at that point now, too, where in, in, in my little mapping, I go, okay, they've gone to the end of the trail. They've, they've seen each of the different set pieces. They have now gathered the information there is to gather. Now they have to figure out what to do with it. And the most logical thing is they are going to go back, exactly as you said, and deal with NPCs. They're going to talk to people about what they found to then try and put some sort of weight on this information that they have because the information that they gathered did not give them a it is this person or it is this person. It gave them a circumstance that they need to figure out which person is responsible for said circumstance. And that's where we go from here. Excellent. Well, Jim, thank you as always for your time. Absolutely. Uh, We will pick this up. Uh, Next episode will be the first part of episode three, our episode five of the GM Masterclass Return to Rokukan with Jim McClure. It is a good thing we are a member of a community that's used to dealing with a whole bunch of crazy numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So this has been Michael. This has been Jim. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, 
we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcasts at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah.